lusts in their mouths, speaking great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. Excuse me. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. And of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Father, take your word and inscribe it in our hearts and print it upon our minds and cause us all to repent, to change our hearts and minds according to as your word would have us, Lord, to know. So we ask you, Father, shut us in with yourself. Glorify your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. For his name's sake and glory we ask it. Amen. We've looked at this over a few weeks of those who had come into the church and those who are outside, of course, unsaved, but those who had come into the church professing Christ but having not the Spirit, as it says here in verse 19. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. In other words, they're more accustomed to their feelings than faith. They come in like modernism today where they try and excuse the Word of God to make it fit in with what men's mentality are, with what they see and what they perceive, and not by the eye of faith. And they've done so many different things to change this around. And of course, Jude here writes, and if one person once said that the little epistle of Jude is a fiery cross uh, among the church in the early days to rise the church back up again. In other words, to rise it up to serve the Lord, to rise it up to see the difference, to rise it up to the things of the Spirit, to rise up the church uh, in his own day. So how much more does this apply to us even today when we see what's going on in not only in church circles, but what happens around the world in general? Now look at this. Uh, we'll not go through it again. There are those who are murmurs and complainers walking after their own lust, their mouths speaking great swelling words. Notice their mouths, their minds, and matters. And what their matters are is what they do because of their mind, because of what they're thinking. They speak what they think and they act out what their heart becomes. And that happens for the good or that can happen for the bad. You can have a mindset which will speak your mouth where you're saying things that are in the negative, that are not positive, that are destructive and and are not for the building up and the edification. You can say things that are that are completely not of the Spirit or having not the Spirit. And there are unsaved who don't understand the things of God and don't understand the things of the Spirit. But as believers, born-again Christians, you and I should know and understand and grow into the things of the Holy Spirit. Now, notice this, and stay with me, please. Okay, let's look at the little epistle of Jude here. And verse 20 says, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, says, Keep yourselves in the love of God.
mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to keep an attention on this where it says, keep yourselves in the love of God. We're going to open this up for a few moments for you. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Listen to an old Puritan. I mentioned him last week. I finished here. He was called Puritan uh, Simeon Ash. He said, every sanctified man being a self-denying and a God-advancing man, his God is his center. Very, very important. Notice this. His God, her God, is his center, is her center. So everything in your life, from your mind, your mouth, and your matter. In other words, the matter is that which you do. If your God is your center, all will come forward from there. Okay? So let's keep Christ at the center here. And let's look. There are people who are saved now, but the flesh takes over. We all have a battle with the flesh, but the flesh takes over. It's a matter of taking that which we're filled in, learning from that, putting the flesh down, crucifying it afresh, and moving on with God in the things of the Spirit and in the grace of God. And if you keep looking back, you'll never be able to properly walk forward. Israel came out of the wilderness and they kept looking back. Oh, if we were in Egypt, we could do this and we got that and we had leaks and all this sort of stuff. And they kept looking back and it hindered their moving forward. It hindered their vision for where they were going to. And if you and I, through circumstances or situations or things that has happened, keep looking back. Keep looking back at things that have been said or done or failures of our own selves and we don't put them under the blood and we don't move on in God's grace and learn from it. If we keep looking back away, we're going to trip and fall again because you can't walk looking over your shoulder. Forget what's behind and press forward. Look forward, pressing toward the mark. God has a great calling in your life. He has a great plan for your life and a marvelous purpose for your life. And looking back will hinder your life. It will hinder your service. It will hinder what God has for you. Here, it's already here. But for you receiving it, it will hinder your life. So forget what's happened and move forward. Here we have the Lord telling us through the pen, if you want, of Jude, keep yourselves in the love of God. Now, how do we keep ourselves in the love of God? We need to differentiate as Does God still love me? You need to get it into your head and your heart. Is God my center? And does God still love me? Now let's put this to bed once and for all. God still loves you. Even when you failed. There's nothing you can do to make God love you any more than he does right now. There's nothing... You can do. You don't love your children any more than you do right now. They not do anything to merit your love any more than you love them right now. You just love them. But when they do things in obedience, you're pleased with them. But you still love them. You're pleased with them. And they rejoice as it were your heart. 
Notice this. Does God still love me? The answer is absolutely yes. I have loved thee. What? With an everlasting love. Not with a human love. Not with a love uh, uh, that is a fickle love. Not that is a love that goes up and down and in and out and back and forward. He says, I've always loved you. I set, I fixed, I placed my love upon you from before the foundation of the world, before you were born. I'd given you to my son and my love is toward you. So let's put it to bed. Does God love me? I'm feeling unwell. Is God angry with me? Absolutely not. God loves you. And you being unwell is not God being angry with you or falling out with you. Stop attributing the things of the devil to the things of God. And stop attributing the things of God to the things of the devil. The moving of the Spirit, the things of God. And if you attribute the things of God to the things of the devil, you are blaspheming the Holy Ghost. When God is moving in your life, you will be different. You will be touched. You will be changed. You will be renovated. You'll be revitalized. You'll be rejuvenated. When God moves in a man and a woman's life, they are never and they can never be the same. When the Spirit starts to speak, when the Spirit starts to convict, when the Spirit starts to compel, when the Spirit starts to convince the man and the woman's heart, whom has the Spirit? They cannot help themselves but be Christ-centered. And everything stems from there. Everything stems from there. He is the center of all things. And whenever people see you different, now Christian, you need to get this, because if you're going to seek the things of the Spirit, you're going to be different. Full stop. You're going to be different. When the early Pentecostal movement here was brought here, the things of the Spirit were attributed to the things of the devil. I wouldn't like to be standing before God at this time with those people who said that. Now you think about that. When the Lord Jesus was casting out devils and when the Lord Jesus was healing the sick, when the Lord Jesus was doing that, they attributed the things that he was doing to the devil. And it was the Holy Ghost. And Jesus says, blasphemy against the Son of Man will be forgiven. In other words, me as you see me, he says, you can blaspheme me. He says, but if you blaspheme the Holy Ghost and what he's doing, he says, I'm telling you now, he says, it is blasphemy to attribute that to the works of the devil. And I know there's other spirits and I know there's things we have to test the spirits and I know we have to look and see what is off the spirit. But watch what you say. Watch how you think. Because the Holy Ghost can be easily blasphemed by the mouth of man. Here, early Pentecostals were run out of town. Some of you in our assembly, you're Grandparents, even maybe your parents, but your grandparents. I've talked to them. Some are going on to their rest now, but I've talked to them. And they've told me about the early days of Pentecost 
when they were ostracized because the Spirit made them different. They were going to have one of their halls burnt down, but the Holy Ghost stopped them. They came up to a hall, and they went to burn the hall down. This is off the devil, this Pentecostal hall. And they went to burn the hall down. And as they went to burn it down, the Holy Ghost just put a ring around it and stopped them. How real is the Holy Ghost in our lives? How real is the Holy Ghost in your life and mine? Here, we're looking at those who profess. And listen, there's many professors, I'm talking about intellectuals, there's many professors who say the right things, but it's whether they possess the Holy Ghost. And the possession of the Spirit makes a man and woman different. In other words, it makes them different to their desires, to their thinking. It makes them different to the things that they would have done, which they don't do anymore. It makes them different in lifestyle and life change and, and word of mouth. It makes them different. But in the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it makes you different because then it makes you seem like, well, maybe is this off the devil? Be careful what we think and the things of the Spirit. Having or having not the Spirit. Notice the beloved have the Spirit of the Lord. And the Spirit of the Lord makes men and women different. And I'll tell you the biggest difference it'll make if you truly have the Spirit of God. It's love. Let's put away all the gifts of the Spirit at the minute as in uh, 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 prophecy and, and um, word of knowledge and word of wisdom, tongues, interpretation, and so on. Let's put it all away, the nine, uh, basically the nine gifts. And let's look at this. And let's look at what this gift of love is that we have in Christ. And how it affects or should affect it and make different the believer. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Does God love me? You need to settle that in your heart this morning. Hey, brother, sister, listen, you need to settle it in your heart this morning. If you don't have it settled in your heart that God loves you, then you're fighting a losing battle. And actually, you're fighting a losing battle that's already been won for you. So does God love me? Ask yourself this morning, am I sure Do I know that he loves me? Because once you do, then you start to grow in God. You start to move forward in God. You start to receive and walk in the grace of God, knowing that his love is an everlasting love. But then we look at it and say, well, do we want to be pleasing as in our lifestyle and who we are to God? Do I love him in other words? Do I love him enough to give up the world? Do I love him enough to give up whatever it is the Lord will lay in your heart? Do I love him enough to step out into ministry? Do I love him enough to be faithful to his house? Do I love him enough to be in the place of prayer and to enjoy his presence? Do I love him enough? How is my love life with him? So keep yourselves in the love of God. One, I want you to remember, you're deeply loved. And that never changes. 
That's why the old hymn writer says, The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. In other words, he had a, a grip and a grasping of the love of God. We looked at it before, the four-dimensional love, the length, height, depth, and, and breadth of God's love. And when you come here, ask yourselves, am I loved by God? And the answer is yes. Now ask yourself, but do I love him? Do I love him? Be careful before you answer. Don't be rash with your mouth. Because I'll tell you why he'll test you on it. But it's a requirement of Christ. It's a requirement of Almighty God. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might, with all thy strength. Now I notice this. The words here, keep yourselves in the love of God. The word keep is a word, tereo. Tereo. And it means to attend to carefully. I need you to get this word because this is now our human responsibility. In God's sovereignty, his attribute, in other words, attributed to his person, attributed to whom he is, attributed to his nature and his character, The attribute, one of his attributes is love. That's why John could write, God is love. But listen, love is not all that God is. So when we're saying here to keep yourselves with, God's sovereignty is that he is moving in us and he actually stirs us up to love Jesus. But we have a human responsibility. And here it is, keep yourselves to, it means to attend to carefully. Notice, to take care of. It means to guard, to keep one in the state in which he is. To keep one in the state in which he is. You know that first love when your heart realized there was a God? We were speaking on Tuesday night after the Bible study, a few of us, and we stayed a bit late and we were talking away. And we were just talking about how uh, and there were pretty new converts I was speaking to uh, and talking to them about the things of God a little. And one of them says to me, you know, when I first realized that God is real, when I first realized that there's, uh, there's so much more here, their heart was just, uh, my heart was jumping at their heart jumping. My heart was excited at their heart being excited. Because you could see this excitement of the freshness of the, the first love for God. The first love for Jesus. And you could see it in them. And I thought, oh, Lord, that's precious. Keep that. With all you have, guard it. Keep it. Too many of us have maybe once loved the Lord and fallen into a callous heart and condition. The scriptures tell us, keep yourselves in the love of God. The idea here is to keep one in the state in which he is. In other words, see how you love him now. And here's one for all those who are still in love with Jesus. Keep yourself in that state no matter what happens, no matter who speaks to you, no matter who thinks you're crazy. 
No matter who thinks you're a bit overboard, keep loving him. Keep yourself in that state. Keep loving the Lord Jesus. It means to keep one in the state in which he is. Notice this briefly. Look at verse 1 of the little epistle of Jude, please. First of all, we look at a love that calls. Verse 1, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Christ Jesus and called. Here is a love that called you. He loved you. He gave a son for you. And that love called you. Secondly, look quickly at verse 2. Here's love prayed for a multiplication or a multiplying love unto you. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. In other words, the, 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 the apostle here is saying, be filled by God's love more and more and more. God's degree of love, God's strength of love, God's riches, richness of love does not change. But the idea here is, is understand you're loved and fall in love with him more and more and more and more and more. It's like that way, of course, I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. Notice this also thirdly, verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God. Now I note, in John 15 and verse 9, the Lord Jesus says these words, As the Father hath loved me. Wow. Do you know what he's saying here? He's starting to give us a, a great example. He's starting to try and let you and I, and of course his disciples whom he's speaking to, he's trying to let them know of the, a, a, a strength, or the strength of God's heart for them. Because they're going to go through many trials, and they're going to go through many situations, and they're going to go through many difficulties. And so he says here in John 15 and verse 9, As a father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Can you get the grips of how much he's loved by his father? Can you get the grips of how much the father loves his son? Now, obviously, in human terms, we cannot. But if we can understand, wow, what an immensity, what a love, then surely we can see, as he has loved his son, so his son, in the same measure, loves me. Loves me. In spite of me, not because of me. Notice what he says in verse 10, though. <clears throat> if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. As I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 11, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved 
you. Wow. I just need to let that word settle for a moment and let you think about that and let me think about that. As much as the Father has loved his Son, as much as he has loved him in that great intensity and immensity, so his Son loves you, me. So you and I are to love one another like that? Now you think about that. To be able to love one another with such an esteem, to be able to look at one another and still love one another, and that brother might get up your nose, and that sister might get on your wick, And I might offend you sometimes. I don't know. Whatever way you want. But Jesus says, you're still to love me. That's having the Spirit. And I'm still to love you. Now think about it. You see... He says if we do these things that we will have joy. Notice what he says here in verse 11. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Now he says if you keep my commandments you'll abide in my love. He says love one another. Keep it and you'll have joy. He says, if you keep it, you'll have my joy. Do you know what I find sometimes what's lacking greatest, the wonderful fruit of the Spirit is the gift of love. Gift of love. There are too many of us. The arrow first points to me before you. So let's remember that. Too many of us who have held on to bitter hearts who have lost the joy of our salvation and in that we have strayed from Christ, the love of Christ, and the flesh has taken over our lives. Notice this. This is what I jotted down just this morning before I came out. Joy. Not that God stopped loving us, but that we stopped loving Him. Therein is the reason for the lack of Christian joy. You see, when you're full of love, when you're in love, when you're in love with your, you first met your wife, brother, and you, were, you fell over, head over heels in love and you're all starry-eyed and all those things. Sure, the world was just a pleasure to you. You were dressing your best and you were making sure you, you smelt in the right way. 
You were making sure you did maybe the aftershave on or whatever. You, you, were, you, were, you wanted to present yourself the best. There was nothing too great or difficult that you wouldn't do for her. You know why? Because you loved. Herein is the problem. When the church starts to love, the church will receive greater joy. I'm going to wrap this up in a moment. I'm going to have to do one more week because of three points I wanted to bring to you. When the Lord says, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even if I've, as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Do you know whenever you go to the Ten Commandments, you know what you have? The first four are between man and God, God and man. I shall love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. I've mentioned it earlier. So they're all, the first four are between God and man. Then the next six of the ten, the next six are actually given between man and man. So when the Lord is asked, what is the first and great commandment? He comes off with, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first and the greatest of the commandments. And the second is like unto the first, thou shalt love one another or your brothers yourself. In other words, that bottom, or not bottom, that other six of the commandments are encapsulated because God gave us them to love one another. Herein, when we ask then, do we love? A love that speaks but doesn't reach. A love that speaks but doesn't reach is not a love at all. I told you this before. There used to be a man come here, oh, five, six years ago, five and a half years ago. He used to always say to me all the time, not every day, but all the time, he used to stop me at the door, point his finger to me, right up close to me and say to me, I love you. I say, thank you. I'd take a bullet for you, and I used to say, he said it all the time, I don't know why, he must have had, thought I had a death wish on me or something, or death threat. All the time, I'd take a bullet for you, and I says, well, I hope you never have to. And he'd have spread it a different way, which totally contradicted what his love is meant to be for Christ. And i never seen him again. Love is as strong as death. Many waters cannot quench love, says the Song of Solomon. The waters of trial and trouble and tribulation and hurt and hardship, if you love, it will never be quenched. If you love Christ and he's your center, his love in you will show love for others. In John 21, we have the disciples after our Lord's body has gone from the, the tomb. The disciples are at the Sea of Galilee and they're, they're on the boat. And you know the story, the Lord comes, the resurrected Lord comes and Christ's children of Yanni meet and John cries, it's the Lord. And Peter, who had denied him, jumps into the water 
and swims over and they're having something to eat at the fire. And the Lord says unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Three times he asks him, Simon, do you love me more than these? And people say, more than what? Is it more than uh, the, the, the things that you went back to, the fishing boats? Because he said, when there was no sign of the Lord, uh, I, you know, I go fishing. I, I'm going back to what I know best. I'm going to fall away, as it were. I'm going to go back to the work of... And I know that the work the, to, to labor with their hands, to feed themselves. But he says, I go fishing. And it, drew, it brought so many with him. In fact, it, it brought so many with him that whenever he was uh, uh, around there, at, at that time, they had the boats and the ships around Galilee. Whenever, whenever the, he says, I go fishing, he had such an influence he brought others. So we need to watch our influence on others, how we are with the Lord. For you will influence others. Your mouth, your matter, your mind will influence others, influence your children. It will influence your home. And listen, if you're a critical spirit, it's not off the spirit. You'll influence others. Here, lovest thou me more than, more than the boats? Lovest thou me more than these? More than what? More than the other disciples? For he said, Lord, even though I will desert you, I'll go to prison and death for you. Are you saying you love me more than them now, Peter? Because you denied me. Do you love me in a greater degree than the other disciples love me? Is that what you're saying, Peter? And the, it doesn't matter what it is. When Jesus says, do you love me? more than these, then you have to say, I love you, Lord, more than everything and anything and anyone. I love you, Lord. So let's keep loving him. We'll do another morning. One more should cover all of us.